This week on Sexually Woke with Dr. Susan, I'm speaking again with my friend, Dr. Rupal Mather, who is a weight loss specialist here in Houston. And we are sharing with you the secret about weight loss that your doctor never told you. And honestly, they probably didn't know. Hi, everyone, and thanks for joining us on this week's episode of Sexually Woke with me, Dr. Susan. And I'm so excited to be joined again today by my friend and your favorite, according to the reviews, uh, Dr. Rupal Mather, who is Houston's weight loss specialist. And just to remind you, she is a very, very well-trained internal medicine specialist who chose to go into strictly the medicine of weight loss. So welcome, Rupal. I'm glad to have you back. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure as always to be here. So this information is below, but uh, many of you heard the podcast that Rupal and I did a couple months ago, and it was really popular. She was talking to us about a lot of the things that many of us, including me, didn't understand really about weight loss. And so there were quite a few more things that we wanted to dive into a little bit more deeply. And so she works here in Houston with her own company called Lifelong Weight Loss. And I send all of my patients there. And we joke that she has 100% success, which <laughs> is true, because if they follow your plan, they get the results they want, right? Yes. And I think also because I do understand about the complexities of weight loss and the challenges involved. Yeah. So, you know, when I was young, oh, you know, gosh, let's just say till couple of years ago, I thought that calories in, calories out, that was all you had to do. We were taught that there were 3,500 calories in a pound of fat. So you just put yourself into 3,500 calories of calorie deprivation every week and you'll lose a pound a week. And that's just the way it is. But as I've gotten older, and this is really relevant to menopause, especially I think in midlife, because it becomes so obvious that there's so much more to it mm -hmm. than that. I have so many patients that are starving themselves and they're not mm -hmm. losing weight. Mm -hmm. Other patients who are eating way more than the chart says mm -hmm. and they're not gaining weight. Yes. So what are we missing? Why It's much more complex than just what we were taught, right? Yes, exactly. And so um, as you mentioned, we are going to build on some of the things that I talked about in my last podcast, if you guys want to take a listen to that. But yes, a lot of it is about the physiology of weight gain, meaning how your body works in response to weight management. And so the secret here is that it's not your fault, is what I have to tell the world about um, weight loss and weight gain. Um, because what Susan just mentioned is very true, that some people can look at a calorie and gain weight, right? I've, I've heard that from so many of my patients. Like I can just look at a piece of bread and I gain five pounds. Um, whereas other people you see walking around eating really quite unhealthy food and high calorie amounts of that and not really gaining weight. And so it's usually not related to self-discipline and how many calories are you eating, but about the biology of your body and what's going on. And so that is why we have so many um, differentials in body types, body size. And so calories in, calories out has somewhat of utility because at the end of the day, yes, we do have to have fewer calories in than we're burning in order to lose weight. But how many calories are we burning? That's the question. And that's what differs for every individual. And, um, and so how do we know this? Well, 
We have some very interesting research studies that have been done in the field of obesity medicine, primarily on mice because they're easy to manipulate. And so um, what we have done is we've looked at obese mice. These are mice that um, have been genetically modified to gain weight and lean mice. And there was one study where we transplanted the stool of a lean mouse into the obese mouse and the obese mice lost weight. Wow. Just from a stool transplant. So, you know, there's so much, and we've started talking about that a little bit here with the functional medicine doctor a few weeks ago, too, about how much our gut health plays a part in everything. And Mm -hmm. we're just starting Mm -hmm. to learn about that. Is Mm -hmm. that why? Exactly. So it has to do with the microbiome. But gut health is also more than just the microbiome. So there was also a study um, that I talked about in my Instagram account. If you guys have a chance, take a look at my account. Lifelong weight loss is my handle. But in this study, which was published in Nature, this was also done on mice, but mice were fed a high fructose diet. Half of the mice were fed a high fructose diet and the other half normal diet. Um, Fructose is a sugar that's found in naturally in things like honey and fruit, but also unnaturally in some of our food that contains high fructose corn syrup. And the mice that were fed the high fructose diet had longer intestinal villi. So those are the little projections of growth in the intestine that are responsible for nutrient absorption, calorie absorption. And so then both of these groups of mice were fed let's say 800 calories a day. I don't know. Probably that's a lot for mice. I don't know. I'm not- (laughs) Equivalent for humans. Not very much. Yes, exactly. They were like on a low calorie diet. They they were both fed the same number of calories. And the mice that had the longer intestinal villi gained more weight than the mice that had normal villi, even though they were fed the exact same number Hmm. of calories. This is done in a laboratory. So, you know, it's more than just the microbiome because the microbiome refers to what um, types of bacteria we have in our gut, but also even the anatomy of our gut matters when it comes to calories and calories out. So that's what makes calories and calories out so tricky is, well, am I absorbing the same number of calories from food that you are? Perhaps not. And that's probably why some people can maintain their weight eating a certain way that we think is unhealthy or unhealthful. And other people struggle so much when they're already restricting so much and they still end up gaining weight perhaps because they're absorbing more calories from their food. Wow. Yeah. So that's an amazing, I didn't know that. That's amazing. There's so many factors. And so I just learned one of them is you've got more of these little projections in your intestines. So you've got more surface area to absorb the calories from. So I love what you said. It's not your fault. You know, mm-hmm. but, you know, maybe you have this and tell me your experience. But what I've learned, the ability to gain fat easily is related to all kinds of things that are not your fault. Race, genetics, the length of your intestinal villi, all <laughs> kinds of things, right? So yeah. give give yourself a break to start right. with, because mm-hmm. I think so many of us have been caught up in this sort of guilt and shame mm-hmm. cycle mm-hmm. about our weight, which is mm-hmm. so unhelpful and mm-hmm. harmful and sad. Yes. And the good part is there, there are ways around this too, now yes. that we recognize these different factors. And if someone's saying, you're just eating too much, you just need to go to Weight Watchers and exercise more, mm-hmm. and you're mm-hmm. doing that and it's not working, it mm-hmm. feels so invalidating. Right. But now we know there's other factors going on. So first of all, it's not your fault. Secondly, there's still ways to lose weight successfully, right? Yes, exactly. So many people come to me and they feel defeated because they have tried 
quote unquote everything and the weight hasn't been coming off. So part of that is perhaps their physiology of what we just talked about, right? They actually don't need to eat that many calories um, and will gain weight. And so we have to be creative about how to help them lose weight. But also sometimes it's because they are overeating, but it's because they're very hungry, right? So some people walk around with high levels of hunger hormone. The primary one is called ghrelin and low levels of satiety hormones. Those are fullness hormones. And so we have medications that can help regulate the hunger and the satiety hormones and level those out. Um, so that's another issue that, you know, people feel like it's my fault. You know, I'm, I'm overeating. I feel hungry all the time or I'm having cravings for sugar. Or I have a sugar addiction and it's my fault. But again, it's really not. It's about the hormones in your body and the levels of those. My residency program director used to say, don't compare your insides to other people's outsides, right? Like all you have to compare with to other people is what's going on in your body. I would reverse that and say, don't compare someone else's outsides to your insides. Meaning if you see someone who is overweight or struggling with their weight, what do many people jump to? Oh, that person just needs to eat less and exercise more, right? Because that's what works for me. So why doesn't that work for them? They're probably just not doing it. Um, and so that's kind of the shame and the blame game that uh, many people have experienced from loved ones, from strangers, from doctors, um, you know, from a lot of the world that blame on the patient of that they're doing something wrong. But in fact, um, there are so many other factors that are going on that are regulating weight. So what can we do about that? So what happens when a patient comes to see me? How come my success rate is so high with weight loss? Well, first of all, you know, yes, I understand the complexities of what is playing into weight. But second of all, you know, I do use weight loss medications um, and I use eating plans. And so I just took a look at the data for my practice because I was curious myself and I figured this would come up. But I looked at what is my average weight loss and then what is the average weight loss of my patients who are on a medicine versus my patients who are not on a medicine? So my average weight loss per person is about 30 pounds that, you know, of course, it's going to be variable depending on how much the person wants to lose. But if we're just looking at, you know, a roster of my patients over the past year, my average patient has lost about 30 pounds. And so that's pretty common. A lot of my patients come in wanting to lose anywhere from 15 to maybe 40 or 50 pounds. It's rare for me to see the person who wants to lose 100 plus pounds. And I think that gets back to this concept of those patients feel defeated and they're mm -hmm. so they're not even seeking out my care, which is tough. But uh, but that's pretty typical for my average. And then when I looked at medications versus non-medications, average weight loss with meds was about 35 pounds. Average weight loss without meds was 26 pounds. Really good still. Mm -hmm. Still yeah. good weight loss. You know, and we talked a little bit about this last time and many of us have um, negative feelings or um, conditioning about weight loss medications because some of the earlier weight loss medications did have mm -hmm. some harmful side effects that were the you know straight amphetamines or fun fun type medications. But there's a whole new class or probably more than one you can tell us about mm -hmm. of weight loss medications that is showing some really great success mm -hmm. with few side effects and addressing some of these issues that are not just causing us to have a suppressed appetite, which is how the amphetamines worked. And they did have, you know, quite a few side effects, but this new class of drugs, and you can tell us all about it. My understanding is work more to counteract some of the hormones that we deal with, especially around midlife, like increased insulin, for example, mm -hmm. which is something that most doctors don't even look for. Mm -hmm. So most of us know that insulin is related to type two diabetes. 
And so many of us think, okay, I'm not diabetic, so that's not a problem for me. But that's mm -hmm. not necessarily the case, is it? Exactly. So um, insulin is our fat storage hormone. So we release it anytime we are eating carbohydrates and even when we're eating protein. Um, so if you're eating excessive amounts of those, then you can have high levels of insulin. But some people have what's called insulin resistance, which is even when they're fasting and not eating anything, they're releasing a lot of insulin and that inhibits weight loss. And so I do diagnose a lot of insulin resistance in my practice, but there are also other hormones at play. There's also a hormone called leptin and there's something called leptin resistance. So leptin is a hormone that's produced by our fat cells, which is supposed to turn off eating. So when we have high levels of fat stored away, then our brain is supposed to sense that and say, oh, you know what? I shouldn't be sending so many of these hunger signals because I have a lot of fat reserved already. So I don't need to be consuming a lot of calories. But over time, what happens is people develop leptin resistance. Now, can you measure leptin? You can measure leptin, mm. but you can't. There's nothing to do about it. So leptin was discovered in 1994. It was very exciting when we discovered it because in certain populations, if you give them leptin, it tends to be in um, teenagers with obesity. If you give them leptin, they can actually, they have a leptin deficiency and they can actually lose weight because that's causing obesity. But in people with leptin resistance, the problem is not that their fat cells are not releasing leptin, but it's that their brain is not responding to leptin. And so how do we reinvigorate that relationship? And weight loss itself is what does that. So same thing for insulin resistance. Well, if I have insulin resistance, what do I do about it? Well, weight loss itself actually is a treatment, but how do we get there? And so the weight loss medications is one of the tools that I use to help my patients get there. The class of medications that Dr. Susan is referring to is they're called GLP-1 receptor agonists. That's just a class. You don't really need to remember that or know about that. But they're um, typically injectable medications, and they start out as medicines for patients with diabetes. So um, what we found is people with diabetes were having their blood sugar regulated well, but then also were really losing weight pretty well on these medicines. So then they started being studied in patients without diabetes. And um, turns out that even in people without diabetes, we see very good weight loss and we don't see a reduction in blood sugar. So if your blood sugar is starting out high, the medicine will bring it to a normal range. If your blood sugar is already normal and it's your insulin that's high, then the medications can help regulate the insulin and without dropping your blood sugar. And then in addition, of course, they cause weight loss. There are weight loss medications. These are FDA approved for weight loss. Anyone with a BMI above 30, body mass index above 30, or anyone with a BMI above 27 with one medical condition related to obesity. So that could be like high blood pressure or diabetes, of course, high cholesterol, et cetera. So um, these medicines have been on the market for quite some time. So that's also something that always produces fear in people is, oh, well, this is a new medicine. You want to put me on something new? I'm not a guinea pig. Well, actually, no, these medicines have been on the market for about five or six years, marketed as diabetes medicines. They just now have the label for weight loss as well in a non-diabetic. Yeah. So sometimes, and I just learned this, um, you know, drugs will be around for a long time with a certain name. And then when it's found that they have a different indication, they might change the name. So mm -hmm. some of these names, Ozempic is a name that you might have heard is the drug that was designed for diabetic patients, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then the same exact drug was relabeled with the name Wegovy, W-E-G-O-V-Y, for weight loss. But it's the same thing, right? It's just yes. for yes. a different indication. Yes. And then there's another one called Sexenda, I think. I'm just right. learning about these mm -hmm. myself. Mm -hmm. And how do patients deliver these? They're injectable, I think, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Sexenda is a once-daily subcutaneous injection. It's a very small needle. People always ask me, oh, my gosh, um, you, know, you want me to 
inject myself once a day. It's a very small needle. It's four millimeters and it's 32 gauge, meaning just a tiny needle. So not like what you're getting when you're getting your vaccines. And, um, and then Wagovi and Ozempic are once weekly injections. So those are a little bit easier to use. The reason to use a daily injection is if you are sensitive to the side effects, you can kind of titrate the daily injection a little bit more easily. But yes, you do give it to yourself. Sometimes I've given it to patients in the office just to show them how it's done. But um, once you get the hang of it, it's quite easy and it's quite painless too. Um, That's always a concern. Now, the way these medicines work is they do work on the insulin resistance piece. But they also do work on satiety. So GLP-1 is a satiety hormone, meaning it helps you to feel full. And so this is mimicking your natural GLP-1. So remember I talked about some people are walking around with very high levels of hunger and very low levels of satiety or feeling of fullness. Those are the people that respond best to these medications because we are allowing them to experience what maybe someone else who doesn't struggle with their weight feels like, which is fullness easily. Quickly, for example, one of my patients told me, I had yogurt and some nuts as my lunch today, and I'm so full. Okay, and that was a surprise and a shock to her. And that's because she's never felt that way. She's never felt that feeling of fullness, especially with such a small portion. And I said, you know, that's normal. That's great. That's good. So when we also go back to that leptin resistance that your body, typically when you have high fat storage, your body is supposed to say, hey, you're not hungry. You don't need to eat more. These medicines help to address the leptin resistance as well by telling you actually, oh, no, wait, you're, you're full. You're done. You don't need to eat anymore. And so you regain that relationship with food where you understand when you're hungry and understand when you're full. So it really helps to bring back in an element of intuitive eating. So that's why my patients also are very successful in this medication, because not only am I telling them what they should eat and how much and when they should eat, but the medication is reinforcing those things that we spoke about in my clinic about the eating plan. So the patients are able to stick to the eating plan better. Yeah. I mean, there's just so much conditioning around food, isn't there? Because you think about, you know, my patients who I send to see you are mostly sort of in the 45 to 60 year old age group. And so, and I'm 54 and we've been learning how to eat since we were babies. And so, mm-hmm. so much conditioning to change and undo, but that hunger signal is so powerful. Mm-hmm. So in the introduction, we talked about that we were going to talk about the secret about weight loss that your doctor never told you. Mm-hmm. And I promise your doctor probably doesn't know. Is this part of the secret really just that it's not as simple as just calories in and calories out? Yes, yes. The secret is that it is not your fault. That that to me is the big secret because I think many physicians don't understand that their patients are trying and the reasons they're not successful are not because of lack of self-control or lack of self-discipline, but because of these hormones that are regulating their weight and not treating obesity and weight as a disease and treating it instead as a patient's fault is why we have so much obesity in the world that is untreated. So that's the secret, um, in my opinion. And so it's not always that a weight loss medicine is the answer, but the answer is that you need to be treated by a physician who understands the complexity of what it will require in order for your body to lose weight. For example, some of my patients come in and you know, they have calorie intake in the form of liquids, right? They're maybe drinking juice or soda 
and alcohol and um, they're eating three meals a day and two or three snacks. Well, in that case, it's easy for me to identify, hey, these are the things we want to cut back on. And, you know, and those patients tend to lose weight pretty successfully when they're just given some direction. Whereas others of my patients are um, what we're talking about, that person who says they can just look at bread and they gain five pounds, right? Some of my patients are women who are already really restricting themselves and still not experiencing results. And so in that case, that's where it becomes much more complex than calories in, calories out. And that's where we have to do a lot of the deeper work into your relationship with food and also exactly what you're eating, when you're eating, et cetera. Well, I just think that's such a beautiful idea. It's not your fault. You know, and all of us, I can say I do, I make mistakes. I'm making air quotes with my fingers in my diet and eat things that I know I shouldn't. But in general, you know, my set point of my weight mm-hmm. is based on a lot of things that are not necessarily to do with what I eat. Mm-hmm. You know, my genetics, mm-hmm. my activity level, my race, mm-hmm. my, I didn't know, the length of the villi in my mm-hmm. intestines, all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So just the the idea that you can have success and that this uh, shame and blame cycle that many of us get into, which just makes it worse. You know, if I feel ashamed and I feel like somebody's told me that I'm lazy or that I'm, I'm lying, which mm-hmm. is what a lot of doctors suggest when they say, oh, you, you must be eating in the closet or maybe you're eating late at night because mm-hmm. otherwise you'd be losing weight. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's incredibly dismissive. And that would make me want to go eat a pint of ice cream. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it just perpetuates that cycle. But, you know, you deserve to have a physician who listens to you. And so uh, that's what I'm suggesting here and what Dr. Mather does so well, I think, and why her success rate is so great, is that we're taking all this into account and just realizing it's it's not your fault. And so you talked about several hormones. We've talked about insulin, leptin. Last time we talked about cortisol. Mm-hmm. And then I'd love you to touch on just what happens around midlife, too, with mm-hmm. our thyroid and mm-hmm. um, our ovarian hormones changing and how that all plays mm-hmm. a part as well, because it can be really overwhelming. I, I mean, this is the world I live in, in my office where I'm seeing women aged mostly 45 to 60, and they are just devastated with their mm-hmm. weight and don't know what to do. And they're mm-hmm. doing everything that we've been taught. So, you know, how do those hormones come into play mm-hmm. too with what's happening for so many of us? Right. Well, around the 30s and 40s, we also lose diversity in our gut microbiome. So again, it goes back to our microbiome. It's very interesting that um, the microbiome seems to be protective of our weight. And so when we don't have as many of the good bacteria or the right balance of some bacteria to others, then our weight also becomes an issue. So that's part of what's happening as we kind of cross over into our late 30s, early 40s. That's typically when people are starting to experience their first struggle with weight is the gut microbiome is changing. Changing. And then also that insulin resistance is starting to develop or perhaps the leptin resistance over time. These are things that develop over time. So it's not something that happened overnight. So another story that I get a lot is, you know, I was able to maintain my weight for a long time. And then overnight, it seemed like no matter what I did, I just started gaining weight, you know, and over the last year I've gained 30 pounds and I'm not doing anything wrong. And in fact, I'm doing everything better than I was in the last 30 years of my life. Um, And so what happened? And so they kind of crossed over into that threshold of insulin resistance or leptin resistance, where the brain is now all of a sudden thinking you're starving and you need to just continually store more fat. And so that's what's happening around middle, kind of mid-age. And now that we're living longer, we're really starting to experience these effects um, and see these more prominently. 
again, the treatment, fortunately, is not necessarily that you're eating too much or that you're eating too little. It's it's about what you're eating. It, it's about when you're eating. Um, so it does matter the quality of the food you're taking in and then the time of day that you're taking in some foods. So um, that's something that I review in detail with my patients. So, you know, many times I do use weight loss medications, but many other times we just adjust the diet and we start seeing the weight come off. Um, so another thing that's not your fault is the fact that we have so many people out there trying to tell you how to lose weight. Mm -hmm. And guess what? It may be right for that person. Maybe that's how they lost weight, but that doesn't mean it's going to work for your body. And then when it doesn't work for you, you feel, again, ashamed. You feel defeated. You feel like, what is wrong with me? This person said that all I had to do was follow her 30-day program and I would lose weight. And, And that didn't happen for me. So, And that's because for your body, that's not correct. But we're told so many different ways of do this and do that in order to lose weight. And then that makes us feel like we're doing something wrong when it's not successful for us. Yeah. Well, and that's so important because so things like intermittent fasting that we talked about Mm -hmm. last time or keto that we talked about Mm -hmm. last time, I mean, these things might work for some people and there's books written about it and, you know, you have this fantastic result. And so maybe you Mm -hmm. do that and it doesn't work for you, but your insides don't look like the other Mm -hmm. person's insides. Mm -hmm. And that's so Mm -hmm. important to understand. And I I just love that idea to keep coming back to this faith that you can be successful no matter what your genetics, how long your intestinal villi are, what your insulin is, Mm -hmm. what your cortisol is, Mm -hmm. what your menopausal hormones are doing, what your thyroid's doing. If those things are all taken into account and plan is created specifically for you, you can be successful. So I just really pray that you don't give up. <laughs> don't give up. <laughs> there is an answer for you. And it might not be the same as the book that you read. Um, right. It's different for each person. Right. And then the other thing that becomes tricky is how to keep the weight off that you've lost. And so that's another reason to be working with a specialist in this field, because our bodies, again, we have a set point, as you mentioned earlier. So our bodies are kind of programmed to be comfortable at a specific weight. And maybe your body was comfortable at that weight up until age 35 but then all of a sudden your set point is 20 pounds higher. And so first of all, that's going to be hard to reduce your weight, right? Because you're at that new set point. But then once you've lost the weight, your body tries really, really hard to get back to that set point. And so that's when you really have to double down and do some additional work in order to keep the weight off. And that's where I see a lot of people struggle as well as, um, you know, I've heard that story many times. Yeah. I mean, I, I can do any plan and I'll lose 10 or 15 pounds, but how do I keep it off? I just am not able to, because either the plan is not sustainable or I'm too hungry or I get too busy and, you know, it doesn't work for me. And so that's where weight loss medications can be really helpful too. So I think we usually see them or or many people kind of view them as a tool in order to achieve weight loss, but really they're very helpful in order to maintain weight loss as well. And so that's a challenge because the FDA typically approves medications based on how the study was designed. And so many studies for weight loss drugs, older studies, so older drugs like fentramine, for example, were only designed as 12-week studies. So after 12 weeks, FDA says, what you're using this medicine is no longer approved by the FDA. So what does a physician who's not an expert in weight loss do? They stop the medication, right? Because (laughs) that's what I'm supposed to do, right? The FDA said, well, okay, 
doctors actually can prescribe things off label because we have judgment that's beyond what, you know, is on the label for a product. And so again, for the weight loss medications, there unfortunately is no indication for chronic weight management. So for the injectables, they've been studied for um, 56 to 68 weeks, depending on which brand you're talking about. So that's a year of use, but what is going to happen to you after that year of use? Again, it depends on what kind of dietary modifications you've made, but also it depends on what you're doing with that medication. If you need to continue it, perhaps you don't. And I do try to taper it off for my patients. Um, but you know, my patients also have learned how to eat for their body type, but sometimes people need to kind of keep going with those medicines. And so that also is, um, something that requires expertise in order to be comfortable continuing to prescribe. Yeah. It's so fascinating, isn't it? Cause I, I talk about this. I came up with a theory that, well, I think this is a, a fact compounded by a theory that I have, <laughs> that, you know, our bodies have this amazing internal intelligence and storing fat, evolutionarily speaking, was a survival mechanism, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So as we get older or if we're under stress, it makes a lot of sense if you were a cave person to store fat because you may be going through a long Arctic winter or maybe a war coming or something like that. So I think just idea of kindness and understanding that your body really is trying to help you mm -hmm. is a great place to mm -hmm. start. Mm -hmm. um, I find personally, and I, I, I don't know if you've experienced this too, but the, the psychological approach that we have to any of our healthcare makes such a difference in its success. And so if we're hating our bodies, and I, I have a lot of patients and I've felt this way myself, who like hate our bodies and we, you know, we hate what's happening. I, I love the idea of just a little bit of kindness and understanding that our bodies are really are trying to help us survive. So it's a great idea. They're trying to help us. Our bodies got this amazing intelligence. We don't need that right now to store fat for a long Arctic winter, but it's kind of amazing to think about that all of that's built in there to help us. And mm -hmm. now we're trying to find ways in this land of abundance that we live in where yes. we have so much food to work with our bodies. So if we could partner with our bodies instead of fighting against ourselves mm -hmm. and hating ourselves, mm -hmm. just, I don't know, I think that's such a beautiful way to approach it. And it's really important because if you feel like the eating plan you're on is something that you're doing to deprive yourself, like if you're feeling deprived or you're feeling like life is unfair and why can't I eat a breakfast burrito every day while my neighbor can and she's still maintaining her trim shape, you know, if you're feeling that way, then that is going to lead to problematic um, weight regain because then what you do when you get on a diet for you, it is a diet, right? It's something transient or making a change in order to lose weight. That's not really what I want for my patients. I want it to be a lifestyle modification. And my patients are going out into the world and thinking, hey, you know, I'm not eating that cookie because I'm doing something right for my body and it feels great. And I'm so happy. I feel better. I'm more mobile. I have less joint pain. I'm sleeping better. I have more energy. And that's why I'm not eating that cookie. And it's not unfair. It's right for my body. And I'm so happy that I found the plan that works for me that keeps me healthy and well. And so that's the way that you have to approach any change that you make in order to achieve lifelong weight loss. That's why my patients are successful in the long term as well. Yeah, I love that. It's just all this, you know, what we talk about here is so much to do with your mind and then our bodies are producing hormones and we've got our intestines and all of these things that are really outside of our control but mm -hmm. your mindset is so important and I love that idea of working with your body and understanding that your body really is trying to help you and you know I, I just my my belief is that that helps and then these other amazing things help too so 
I think the bottom line is that we're saying you can be successful no matter what has happened in the mm-hmm. past, how defeated you felt mm-hmm. and how many people have told you that you're cheating or you're lying or your plans mm-hmm. haven't worked. Mm-hmm. There is a way for you to lose weight that's individual for you if you mm-hmm. work with someone like Dr. Mather who can dig into all these things. And these things are new. When I was in med school, we couldn't measure insulin or mm-hmm. leptin or any. Of well, these things. yeah, I mean, leptin, that concept came about in the 1990s. But even though these lab tests exist and these medications can be prescribed by your primary care provider, by the way, the problem is I've seen many people who have already, quote unquote, tried Sixenda or, you know, oh, yeah, my PCP already prescribed that for me, but it didn't really seem to work. The problem is they don't work in a black box. So if you just put someone on the medication and you don't teach them how to eat for their body type, then I don't see very much success. Sometimes they do, especially initially, maybe that first month, everyone might lose some weight right on a medicine like Ozempic or Wagovi or Sixenda, the injectables, the most powerful ones on the market right now. But the problem is, um, how did these patients continue to lose weight? It's by making changes to what they're eating. And so there always ends up being a wall when you're using just a medication. So yes, your primary care doctor can prescribe these medicines and you certainly should be an advocate for yourself and request that. But if you're not seeing success, then please seek out expert help because it's not necessarily that the medicine doesn't work for you, but that your diet is not on track and also in alignment with what the medication is doing for your body. So you need both of those. And then I did just want to mention that there are other weight loss medicines on the market. So when I looked at my outcomes of Wagovi and Ozempic versus Phentermine, which is what we talked about in last podcast, Phentermine's an oral medicine, costs $15 a month, very cheap. My patients in both groups lost almost the same amount of weight. Mm. So again, it has to be paired with the correct diet. Now, that's not to say that it will always work equally effectively. So in the research studies, what we saw was much more weight loss with the injectables like Wagovi and Sixenda than we did with Phentermine. But Phentermine, again, remember, this was a very old study that was done on Phentermine in the 1960s. So we don't have a great data set to work with anyway. But point being that the medication um, helps to implement the eating plan that's right for you. And also not every medicine is right for every patient. There are contraindications, meaning there are some patients that the injectables are not safe for. There are some patients that Phentermine and other oral medicines are not safe for. Sometimes they even combine the weight loss medication. So it is a little bit of an art as to what to use and which medication, what dosage, how to advise on if someone is experiencing side effects. So all of those things play a role. But at the end of the day, as Susan said, as long as you can work with an expert, and it doesn't have to be me, but an obesity medicine physician who specializes in using these medicines and creating eating plans for you. That's where you need to seek care if you're really struggling with your weight. It's not your fault. Again, it's not you. The problem is us. You haven't found the right doctor or the right person in your life to teach you how to lose weight. And so keep searching, keep advocating for yourself. Because as we talked about earlier, I haven't yet met a patient that I have not been able to help lose weight. And that's wonderful, isn't it? And I'll tell you, you can't do it in 10 minutes. So one of the struggles we Mm -hmm. mentioned last time is in traditional medicine, where Mm -hmm. your internist or your general practitioner is doing a great job and bless their hearts for doing that. They have 10, 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. And so this type of conversation, as you can tell from, you know, we're just getting into it now and we've been talking for over half an hour. It takes a lot of time. And so you are worth it. You know, if you think about 
staying overweight. This is taking years off your life. It's taking quality from your life. And all of us know if we're overweight, so many um, ripples are affected, mm-hmm. not, not just the years of life that you have, but the ability to move and your sexual wellness, which mm-hmm. is why this is on the Sexually Woke podcast. The number one libido killer is body image mm-hmm. issues, which yes. is mostly in women related to discomfort with their weight. Mm-hmm. So it trickles down into every aspect of our life. So you are worth it. You are worth mm-hmm. it. Don't let someone tell you in 10 minutes that you just need to eat less or go to Weight Watchers. And that's mm-hmm. the answer that you've heard for the last 20 years. There's much more to it than that. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. So the initial conversation with me is 80 minutes. The consultation you know, takes a long time to understand um, your history of your weight, your struggles, your medical history, and then develop a plan that makes sense for you. So yes, it does take some time. And that's why, you know, unfortunately right now, insurance is not really wanting to pay for preventative medicine. And so that's why there's a cost. But as Susan put it appropriately, accurately, you have to invest in yourself. It's an investment in your health and your future. And, um, and I'm happy to be that person to help you. But again, it doesn't have to be me. I know some of my patients or some people who are reaching out to me are waiting a long time for their appointment with me. Um, I'm trying my best to keep up, but just seek out expert guidance in this field because it is much more than calories in and calories out. Mm, So fascinating. So there's not one secret to weight loss, but there's certainly a handful of secrets that we talked about today. Is there anything that we didn't touch on? Because people just want to soak this up. I know I do. You know, I... I think we could go into much more detail about the different weight loss medications and, you know, indications for those. Again, the gut microbiome is a very interesting field as well. So I've got some neat tools in my office. I have um, something that can measure how much, whether you're burning fat, you know, at the time of your appointment or not. Um, We've got a little sensor for that. We have a body composition analyzer, just like you do in your clinic, where we look at how much of your weight is muscle versus body fat. And then we estimate how many calories you're burning in a day. So that's really helpful. We also have a couple of different genetic profiles that we can do, some genetic testing from a cheek swab. Um, We can even do fecal testing to take a look at your gut microbiome. So there's lots of interesting things that we could touch on. There's just not enough time to review all of the topics related to weight loss. But, you know, I, I do try to touch on what is important for your body at that initial consultation. Just like last time, I have a feeling we might have to invite you back again because I've got lots more questions about the gut microbiome and genetic testing. And so the inability to lose weight as fast as we wish we could is the number one most common complaint that I hear in my office. And so I know people are fascinated with this. And again, just how it ties into our well-being in general, including our sexual well-being and our desire to connect with others because if we don't feel good about our body That's one of the things that inhibits us from wanting to connect. And that just trickles down into all of our relationships with our partners, our children, our friends. So it's it's much more important than what you weigh on the scale. It's about your health, Mm -hmm. your longevity, your ability to move, your ability to live in your fullest aliveness sexually and otherwise. It's so much, isn't it? Yes, yes, exactly. And living in your environment, that's another issue too, that, you know, you need to find a plan that works for your lifestyle. I talked about that last visit as well, that, um, you know, if it doesn't make sense for your travel schedule, your work schedule, your mom schedule, then that's also not something that's sustainable. So we want you to be your best self in your life. And we want you to be able to make your life work for your weight loss. So both of those are important and um, tie in into the ultimate plan that we decide for you. Well, I'm so 
grateful that you are able to make time to be with us again today. I'm sure that our listeners are going to want you to come back again because like you said, there's just so many exciting things to talk about in the field of weight loss and living your best life in the body that makes you comfortable, that you can live your longest years, your happiest years. So we can find Dr. Rupal Mather on her website at lifelongweightloss.com. She's here in Houston and through her Instagram handle, which I think is just lifelongweightloss. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we'll put that information below. And I can't wait to have you back again. This is so fascinating. Thank you so much for joining me. My pleasure as always. Thank you so much for having me. 